Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings, and now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and I'm joined once again by Grace Ramage, my co-host. Hi, Grace. Hello, Fee. Hello, everybody listening to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. We are well and truly in the depths of the spring racing carnival now. And what about this weather? Oh, oh my goodness. It's really turned it on. It's so warm all of a sudden and it's so nice. I absolutely love it. And it just makes you motivated for it does. everything. Uh-huh. Like I've started doing some exercise again. <laughs> it's nothing like the, ex- the longer days and the warmer weather to get you out and about. I know. It's yeah. the best. And so then it comes to Saturday at Flemington. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that everybody just flocks to Maccabi Diva Stakes Day because it is an unbelievable day of racing and the weather's going to be incredible. Um, so, yeah, I'm just so excited about this weekend. Yeah, and we're going to be taking a good look at the Maccabi Diva as well as the Let's Elope Stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, an amazing card. But before we uh, get into that, Grace, um, I think it's really important that we talk about last weekend. Why? What happened? Giga kick. Oh, no! Have you already just mentally blocked it out? <laughs> Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Have you seen all of the commentary on social media? No. Tell me it. Wowee. There's plenty happening um, (laughs) in the space of um, just the the ownership camp of Giga Kick and some comments around... Like public. They're they're publicly commenting. Public comments um, around the ride of Craig Williams. Mm. I'm not going to get involved because I don't have an opinion either way, but yeah, there's fireworks happening in that space. Um, and I just think two things, Craig Williams came back in and said, yep, that probably wasn't my best ride. Mm. I probably did push the button too soon. Okay. So he admitted to the fact that it wasn't his best ride. The second thing is that I just don't think that he would have beaten Imperatrix if you she, run that race was, 10 times again. I know. She was amazing. She was incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's just the reality of the situation. He was beaten by a better horse. Now there's come to light that maybe he actually was only like 
60% fit, kick, kick, kick. And then um, they really just wanted to see him finishing off strongly. Obviously, he sort of like hit the almost hit the front and then faded to the line. So it wasn't the ideal sort of run of what they wanted. But yeah, on the day, like clearly Imperatrice was the better, the better horse. horse. Yeah. There's and no obviously doubt. a few things just didn't come together for Giga Kick. Yeah. Um, and it's always a risk. First up, it's always yep. a risk. We don't know where they're at. We don't know how fit they are. It's, so, it's such a good point that you raised just then. Like mm. you just have got no idea what's happening um, with a horse's campaign or mm. unless you're actually the owner of the horse or affiliated with the trainer. It's generally, or not generally, but there are often cases where it's a guessing game. And that was what a lot of people did. They were just saying, well, he's here, he's he's ready to go, he's going to win. Um, but then, you know, after the fact, you realise that he's actually, you know, being primed for an Everest and, you know, there's plenty to still come in the in the regard of fitness and all that sort of stuff so yep still not jumping off giga kick i think he's still going to be really hard to beat in the everest um because i just know how good he is but yeah i was i was really dumbfounded straight after the race but then it all made a little bit more sense um is there any news on his plans towards the everest changing because i feel like he was going to have that run and then it was going to be a bit of a break mm -hmm. and now that the fitness is a query like does he need another run to, yeah. to get him up to the mark well i think they were going to go to uh the premiere which is in a few weeks in sydney Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure when it is, but I think I, I've heard commentary that they are considering tweaking the preparation now, but I think he will have another run before he then um, runs in the Everest. Right. But, you know, what's also interesting is the fact that Imperatriz um, isn't going to the Everest. They, right. They've said, no, we want to win Group 1s because mm -hmm. she's a mare. Yeah. She already won a, a Group 1. But, yeah, so that's interesting because you'd think she just beat Giga Kick and not just beat him, like absolutely smashed him um that she would be a force to be reckoned with in a race like the everest but they've said that they want to they want to focus on the group ones for her yeah that makes a lot of sense for a for for a girl mm -hmm. the other uh horse we discussed at length last week grace was globe mm -hmm. um big boom on him you know he was a short price favorite and we were questioning the price because of his lack of experience at the highest levels um, and then he sort of failed in the run and it was reported he had an arrhythmia mm -hmm. after pulling up. Yep. Yep. So I think there was definitely a vet excuse because even Jamie Carr said that he just didn't feel right at all when he returned to scale. Um, but it was a really disappointing way for that. Um, well, amazing for the connections of Pinstripe to win the oh, race. Amazing. But in terms of all that we were expecting from Globe and all the commentary around him, you know, fourth up Cox Plate was the plan. Um, it's a shame that he, you know, that it didn't go to plan, mm -hmm. obviously, on his first up attempt last Saturday in the Fee and Stakes. I'm not sure. I've got no idea whether we're going to see him again this spring. Um, there's been no discussion around that. But, yeah, a couple of bubbles um, certainly burst on Saturday, not to say that they won't be able to bounce back, but there were, yeah, two short price favourites that people were going to the valley to see, mm. um, and both horses were beaten. Yeah. So it's just the way it goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know from, like, experience, the process with an, ar an arrhythmia is, is quite a lengthy one, mm -hmm. so they have to have their heart sort of um, recalibrated yep. at the hospital and then they have to prove under multiple gallops that it's staying within rhythm so you know it's, it's quite a process to get back to the races after that so yeah gonna be interesting to see maybe he'll come out again in the summer yeah but yeah 
it's disappointing to you know see that happen on the day when there was you know so much excitement around both him and Giga Kick. Well, I think we better leave the past in the past, Grace. It's mm-hmm. a new week, fresh sheet. Although, before we go any further, we should say congratulations to Sarah Harris, who took out our tipping comp uh, last weekend with yep. seven points. She was one of the very few people who did not have Giga Kick. <laughs> um, for for that pick she had imperatries and and i think one other person had imperatries as well so uh congratulations to sarah who took away the 50 dollars cash prize and you know we have another installment this weekend which is going to be very cool i feel like this weekend's going to be a bit more interesting yeah definitely there's no doubt um that this is where the racing heats up again so every week as we progress towards you know Corfu cup day cox plate day melbourne cup week gets more and more competitive because you see more and more horses on show. Um, and this Saturday is sensational. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so good. We've got so many horses coming over, having their runs. We've got Amelia's Jewel, yes. who is probably the new boom horse to talk <laughs> yeah. about. Um, she's first up in the Let's Slope Sakes, which we're going to get to shortly. So yeah, it's an amazing day. And hopefully we can find plenty of winners. Hopefully. Uh, Grace, let's start with the three-year-olds because they're kicking off this week in the Poseidon Stakes mm-hmm. and the, can you say the word for me? Captain Teebs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those two races. So we've got the Poseidon for the boys and then the Captain Teebs mm-hmm. for the fillies, three-year-olds. What are these two races leading into? So they're races four and six on the Flemington program. They're both for three-year-olds. The Poseidon is for the Colts and Geldings. The Captain Teebs is for the fillies. So it's just splitting them based on their gender. And they're both basically there for horses to have a look down the straight if they are trainers and connections are thinking that they've got a really smart sprinting three-year-old so not a call for guineas or guineas prospect not a derby prospect but targeting potentially looking at targeting a race called the coolmore stud stakes which is for three-year-olds at group one level on derby day at flemington 1200 meters down the straight so this is almost like um they're both at stakes level so there's black type up for grabs as well plenty of prize money but they're both like qualifying races i suppose like you're running your horses down the straight here to see how they go to see how they measure up with an eye to if they're good enough um, to get to the Coolmore Stud Stakes, which is that big three-year-old group one, which each and every year is an amazing race. Like you look at the honor roll and there are some incredible horses that have won it. It's often referred to as a stallion making race. Um, So you've got plenty of horses that win that, that then go to stud, but like Sunlight won it, um, the the Philly won it. So In Secret won it last year. Mm -hmm. It's just a really good race. So I'm super excited about these two races this Saturday, the Poseidon and the Captain Teebs, because I think we might see um, some horses put their hands up to say, I'm a big player in that Coolmore Stud Stakes. Before we look at the field, let's talk a little bit about the three-year-old uh, racing paths here, because mm-hmm. you've just mentioned the Guineas as well as the Derby. So there's, there's three paths, right? There's the Sprinter's Path, the middle distant path and then the stayers path can you just take us through yeah so if you've got a three-year-old so a new season three-year-old they've just turned three um you know we might have seen these horses racing in the blue diamond lead-ups or the golden slipper lead-ups last autumn now they turn three we also see horses have never raced before they've just needed more time to mature in the three-year-old um, division you can basically if you've got one that's showing ability pick your path and if you are bred to be a staying type um, then you might be looking at races like um, 
you might be looking at races like next Sunday at Flemington, there's the spring previews where you've got the Derby trial and the Oaks trial, uh, which is over 1,800 metres, going then to a Caulfield Classic at 2,000 metres. Then maybe you're looking at a race like the Manifold for the Phillies going towards the Derby and the Oaks Melbourne Cup week. 2,500 metres is those two Group 1 races, and they are big races for the same three-year-olds. Um if you've got a middle distance three-year-old, the guineas is what you're focusing in on. Uh, you'll see this Saturday, Exford Plate, 1,400 metres for three-year-old open. So fillies and colts and geldings can run in that Exford Plate. Legacies is a short price favourite. Um, if she was to win, which I think a lot of people think she will win, be interested to see if Peter Moody, her trainer, wants to target the Caulfield guineas against the boys or stay to her own age group in the 1,000 guineas. Right. Both of those races at Group 1 level, both of them over 1,600 metres. The only difference is the 1,000 guineas, which was always run during that Caulfield Cup Carnival week, is now on the 18th of November, so they've pushed it back. But they are the two mile Group 1s for spring three-year-olds. And then if you've got a horse that's just showing pure speed and bred to be a real ball of muscle speedy horse, you're looking at the Coolmore Stud Stakes. Mm -hmm. A lot of horses will go... A lot of horses might go Vein Stakes or Atlantic Jewel, Mackenzie Stakes that we saw Stapati and Charmstone win last weekend. Um, Looking at these races, Poseidon capped on Tebes. They might then think, okay, let's see how we go at 1,400 metres. Let's see, are we all speed or are we actually going to appreciate a mile? Mm -hmm. Go to the Caulfield Guineas Preludes, which are next Saturday at Caulfield for Phillies edition and the Colts and Geldings edition, and then they work it out. Are we going to be a miler or are we going to be a 1,200-metre horse? Then they'll either go back to the Coolmore Stud Stakes path or step up to the mile. So there's so many options. That's the beauty of it. If you've got a horse, a three-year-old, that's showing some ability at this time of year, um, you give it a go mm-hmm. because there's so much. There's so much. It's like a smorgasbord for black type races and pathways for whatever your horse needs, which is really good because yeah. it's um, such an exciting thing. If you've got a share in a horse, um, there's so much prize money to be won. Mm. Well, let's start with the Poseidon with the boys. Colts and Geldings, three-year-olds, we're at set weights and penalties uh, for this race. And lots of names that we will recognise here from the Autumn Grace. We've got Barber, Arkansas Kid, King's Gambit as well. So mm-hmm. horses from sort of Blue Diamond, Golden Slipper yep. races in the Autumn, they're lining up uh, for the 1100 metre race down straight. Yeah, and this is the Colts and the Geldings edition. This is such a good race. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. King's Gambit, he resumes for Peter and Paul Snowden. Um, as a two-year-old, so back in the autumn, he was like the second coming of I don't even know what. There was just this awe around him. <laughs> he just looks like an absolute weapon of a horse. Um, but I think the thing about King's Gambit is that he's got some maturity problems. He's very culty. He always like gets really fizzy in the mounting yard, sort of loses the plot a little bit. So then when he gets out onto the track, he's not racing at his best. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen, we've seen him be very inconsistent as a result, but he's third in the golden slipper last autumn. That was the last time we saw him race was great. And his trials in Sydney have been incredible. Ooh. So super excited to see what King's, King's Gambit does because he'll either blow us away or he'll show us that he's still, you know, the culty, fizzy King's Gambit. And then we've got a horse that's been well-backed called I Am Unstoppable, 
and he ran second to Cylinder going back a few oh, weeks ago. Yes. In the Vane Stakes at Caulfield, and if you remember, that was that massive run from way back in the field, mm -hmm. and he um, finished off so strongly in what was a really slowly run race. So he showed a massive turn of foot. I think of all these three-year-olds, Colts and Geldings in this field, he's probably the one that's got the ability to quicken best if that makes yeah. sense so if it's a standing start and you're racing over 200 meters some horses are going to take time to get into their gears and building momentum and get their massive stride going to get top gear um whereas i'm unstoppable can just quicken in an instant like he's just got a really sharp um turn of foot and it got a really short stride so uh he is very well suited 1100 meters down the flemington straight pivot city only had one start for one win um plenty of expectation around that horse so it's a great race. And then there's a horse called Kedinsky Abstract, who was a massive, massive priced yearling, full brother to Sunlight, who I mentioned earlier. Oh. He was very uh, forgivable run last start, right. where he just got too far back on a slow tempo and actually hit the line really strongly. So he can come down and win this, mm -hmm. looking ahead to a Coolmore, which is a race that Chris Waller is definitely targeting with him. Yeah, right. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an amazing race, and I'm so excited to see who really stands up on a, from a Coolmore perspective. Now, do you think the boys' race is more competitive than the girls' race? I think that the boys' race, race four, has probably got more substance, mm -hmm. so more proper Coolmore contenders in it than the Phillies' race. But the Phillies' race has 20 horses and mm. four emergencies. Jeez. Like, it is a full field. Yeah. And so plenty of trainers are saying, my filly goes really well. Let's see how she handles this um, listed event and, you know, whether she does stand up from a Coolmore Stud Stakes perspective. I don't think that um, they might not be as a group as classy as the boys, but it's way more competitive in the mm. sense that I have no idea who's going to win. Yeah. Any, anyone could win. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's going to be such a good spectacle. Yeah. Like horses. We, we're not as familiar with the girls as we are with the boys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, but you know what? They're, anything could happen. Mm. Anything could happen in this race. Steel City has been really well backed because yeah. she was a group three winner of the Magic Knight before she um, was tested in the Golden Slipper and she's been the Blue Diamond. So we know her, but then there are others as well that we don't know a lot about yet. So very, very interesting race is the Captain Teeps race six. Yeah. Well, now that we've had a quick look at the three-year-olds, Grace, let's move on to race seven, the feature race of the day, the Group 1 Maccabi Diva Stakes. We're back at Wait for Age over the mile. Mm -hmm. Very small field, seven horses in this race. And I'm interested in a minute to hear your thoughts on how that's going to influence things but let's first take a look at the market we have mr Brightside on top after his memsy stake stakes win a dollar 90 favorite shorter than i was sort of expecting yep <laughs> yep he's pretty short isn't he <laughs> yeah. um and then we have alligator blood at three dollars 90 and princess grace at four dollars 60 so they're in the top three yep how do you think the small field's going to influence things here, Grace? Well, it's so interesting mm. because we were talking about match racing and we were saying mm. Mr. B and Alligator Blood yes. would be really good in a match race. Well, there's five other horses in the race <laughs> and one of them can win in Princess Grace and, you know, not discounting the others either. But, you know, it's a small select field and it's going to make it a real tactical affair. So this time last year... In the Maccabi Diva Stakes, we had an eight-horse field. So mm -hmm. it's a common it's common for this race to only 
have a, a relatively small amount of numbers. Um, and I think that's probably because horses that are tested, you know, the Memsey Stakes and the PB Lawrence Stakes, which we've already seen run and won at Caulfield over the past month, lots of trainers might put their horses in that to say, let's see how we go. I think we're going well, but let's see how we measure up at group one level. And then if they don't measure up, they pick easier options. Yeah. So once you get to Maccabi Diva, once you get to the Turnbull Stakes, that's when you've got sort of the best of the best just taking on each other. And then the Cox Plate's the ultimate goal for these horses. So this is a small but select field. Last year, eight horses were in this race. And boy, oh boy, was it one of the races of the entire sprint. It really was. Because Alligator Blood who is in this race again, kicked clear. The Flemington Straight, we all know, is the longest straight in terms of metropolitan racing in, in Melbourne. Um, and it is, he kicked clear at the top of the straight and everyone was like, oh, he's home. He's absolutely home here. And then I'm Thunderstruck, just mowed him down from the rear of the field. And it was just fascinating to watch. It was such a close finish, 0.1 of a length in the margin in the end. So it was an absolute nail-biting thriller. A spine-tingling. Like when it you was watch amazing. the spine-tingling. Yeah, it? it was amazing. So <laughs> that's the thing. Like small fields can still throw up amazing finishes and tactically they're just such fascinating races. So to answer your question, um, I'm... Alligator Blood is obviously going to go forward. Um, we know that that's what they want to do from Barrier 4. But Mr Brightside, he's been very positive. We know that Craig Williams has wanted to be up there on the speed, sort of take luck out of the equation, not dictated yeah. to, not back in the pack, just be right there, master of your own fate. So from Barrier 2, I'd expect him to be also on speed. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got Princess Grace, who also likes to be thereabouts. She's drawn the widest barrier in Barrier 7. So maybe Blake Shin decides that he wants to come across too. Then all of a sudden you've got the top three horses in the market right there on speed mm -hmm. together. Like it's just going to be so interesting. Yeah, and it's giving that match race vibes. That's what I mean. Right. Like yeah. everyone, and we know that Alligator Blood, when he gets to the front, which I'm assuming he's going to take the lead, uh, he sits on, you know, nice even tempo mm -hmm. and then saves a sprint for us. So they're all going to be doing that. And yep. it's like who is the fastest turn of foot at the end of the race? Yeah, and we're going to find out who is the best horse. Uh, under these sort of circumstances. So uh, I think that I, I saw a stat that Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside have clashed on eight occasions and they are four each in oh. terms of who's won and who's lost. Okay, so they're super evenly matched. So evenly matched. <laughs> so we're going to find out on Saturday. And so if we go back to the Memsey Stakes last start, um, Mr. Brightside's at three deep, no cover on speed, had a really tough run but he had had an extra run under his belt mm -hmm. alligator blood was on speed there first up so we know that he's going to improve heaps from that heaps i think that i'm siding with mr brightside for this contest but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see you know a ding dong battle between both of them up the straight and alligator blood winning mm -hmm. and then even princess grace she's only she's had amazing she only had the two runs here in australia at 1400 meters and now she gets to a mile which actually i think is going to suit her even better mm -hmm. so she can't be discounted either and then um some of the other horses Aegon, osipenko we've seen them a few times like they'll probably be shock winners of the race i would think yeah. um but they're still nice horses then there's a horse called francesco gardi who is a melbourne cup probably Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup horse. He won the Mooney Valley Gold Cup in the spring last year in unbelievable time and did it so dominantly that it, Chris Waller is clearly saying here, mm, yep, you're our Cups horse, mm -hmm. so we're going to take you on that wait-for-age path to get you ready, fit and ready to go, but 
get no handicap penalty if he was to win, which I don't think he will win this, but that's what they're doing with him. You expect to see Francesco Gardi pop up in a, um, you know, expect to see Francesco Gardi be a big contender for the Cups. Don't yeah. think he's a winning chance here. So, yeah, three big guns at the top of the betting, but I'm with Mr. Brightside. What about you? Yeah, in my assessments, I was really looking at the runs of those top three uh, in the Memsey. And you're right, like, if we look at who had the hardest run and who had the least, you know, right to win, mm -hmm. probably Mr. Brightside. I do think Alligator Blood being so wide on his first up run, like, that would have cost him a bit. But definitely. he definitely faded in that last, you know, 200. And um, I think he'll take big improvement enough, though, because Mr. Brightside's also going to take improvement. Like, yep. he was hitting the line so strong. We know yep. a mile is, like, his distance. It's mm -hmm. where he's won all his top races. All-star mile, two Doncasters. Like, this is his peak. In my opinion, this is where he does his best work. And, yeah, he just had less right to win, I think, yep. based on the trip. Yep. And then Princess Grace was almost had the best run out of the three. And, yes, she finished amazingly, but... Barrier 7 this week. I know it's not that wide because only a seven-horse field, but, mm -hmm. yeah, I just think Mr. Brightside's got the better chance in terms of his position and things like that this week compared to the other two and, and what they've already shown us. And I'm also – I also just wanted to comment on how well Mr. Brightside and, and Willow are gelling this mm -hmm. prep because yeah. you're right. He gets him in the right position, and I feel like he just lets the horse do what he does best. Yeah. And it's, it's like – when you see a horse and they're in such good form and you almost like forget the jockeys on their back yeah, and you just think it's you're like that horse is just like amazing. It's like, yeah. it's, it's so exciting. It's like wanks and like yeah. those horses that are in really good form and you just almost forget about the jockey. And yeah. I feel like that's what's happening here. Like Willow's letting him shine, yeah. letting him show just how good he is. And Definitely. I'm loving that. I'm loving watching that. Yeah, and the thing about good horses is that they generally, like the best of the best, like the ones that, I'm not saying Mr. Brightside is a champion status yet, but when you're looking at that sort of tier of horse, they are just so versatile, doesn't matter what condition the track is, doesn't matter what, even doesn't really matter what distance, mm -hmm. doesn't really matter what the race shape is, whether it's fast, slow, doesn't matter if they are on speed, out the back as they are always going to turn up and they are always going to show how good they are every time. Mm -hmm. So that's what sort of is the definition of a good horse. And Mr. Brightside is, like, showing those signs. Yeah. So is alligator blood. Like, yes. You know, he does the same thing, but we do know that um, both of these horses are going to be probably right there together on speed. Let the best one win. I do think, oh. I do think Mr. B is probably more versatile. Like, if you look at yeah. his P.B. Lawrence run, the race shape there, mm -hmm. and then the Memsey was like the total opposite, right? Yeah. In terms yeah. of like where the speed was, like, and he's coped with both very perfectly. Well. Yeah. Whereas we know Alligator Blood likes to sit and then run yeah. home. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And of like, yes, those two, but God, imagine if Princess Grace just like came over the top of them. I know she's it really becoming happen. quickly becoming one of my favorites. Is she? Yeah, I love yeah. her. Yeah, no, it could happen. Um and then, you know, she's probably right on track looking ahead to a Cox plate as well. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a big learning race again, but yeah, it's definitely a highlight. Um I just love the concept of match racing and mm -hmm. we get like a mini match race here, so it's good. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right, well let's move on to the next race, race 8, the Let's Elope Stakes for the Mares, 4-year-old and up. Uh, we've got set weights and penalties here as well. 
a mix of horses lining up in this field, Grace, a few kicking off who, you know, we saw in the autumn do great things. And then, you know, the, another few who are, you know, second up this preparation. Mm -hmm. So that sort of clash that we've talked about before of first up versus horses who have a bit of fitness on their side. Yep. Let's take a quick look at the market before we go any further. We have Amelia's Jewel on top, of course. She's a, like you said, the boom horse of the week. And there's been a lot of, a lot of stories on in on her in the press this week so we'll, we'll chat about that and then it's sort of tricky to get to the second line like we've got see you in heaven number two at eleven dollars cast at eleven dollars and wrote to arataki also at eleven dollars so there's a clear favorite here yeah um let's talk about amelia's jewel because she has been in the news a lot she's from western australia what has she come over to victoria to do this spring grace well she's come over to dominate <laughs> is what I gather. Um, and she might just do that. So there's so many options for a horse like Amelia's Jewel, who is very versatile because we can see that she's got one group one to her name. And that was over 1800 meters in the northerly stakes over in Perth in Ascot back in April in the autumn. So only earlier this year, she was narrowly beaten when a very short price favorite in a big um, rich race called the Quokka worth $4 million. Well, it doesn't have group status. It essentially was borderline group one, maybe group two sort of event. Um, but it was over 1,200 meters. So Amelia's Jewel is a good horse because she can just do her thing over sort of distance ranging from 1,200 meters up to 1,800 meters. No problems there. So 1,400 meters first up, all good. Um, but taking a look at what she has done in her career nine starts for seven wins two seconds but she's never raced outside of perth so mm -hmm. this is her first ever trip away from her home over to the east uh where she's now got to take on horses in their backyards rather than our horses going over there so this is no doubt i think probably so this spring is going to be no doubt her biggest test to date. Um, whether or not this Saturday is her biggest test to date, not sure. She probably definitely finds a winnable race. Um, that's why she's a dollar seventy-five. It's a good field. Horses like Cast and Wrote to Arataki. We don't know how good they are yet because they're sort of coming back for their second and third preps, but they're just starting to um, show us what they can do. So I think they're both genuine dangers to Amelia's jewel. But you. You'd want to see Amelia's Jewel win this and win it pretty comfortably, mm. like quite dominantly, to then justify, right, she is the real deal. Whether they go up to Sydney for a race like the Golden Eagle, which is that super rich race, or they stay in Melbourne for the Group 1 Empire of Stakes on Derby Day, 1600 metre Group 1 for Mares. They're the two options for Amelia's Jewel. And we'd want to see her be really dominant here to justify that idea that she is, you know, going to be all conquering this spring carnival i think mm, and i'm surprised that the punters aren't a little bit more gun shy after last week yeah because it was you know two two hot price favorites yep not getting up and not not uh yeah proving that they're up to the mark and i always am nervous when those horses come from western australia and they've got that boom mm -hmm. but the competition in Victoria is, is a lot stronger. Yeah. It's the same as like when, you know, horses come from New Zealand. Yeah. It's like, yes, they've won a group one, but like what is the group one in New Zealand versus a group one in Victoria? Absolutely. So there's that question, but I think you're right. Like I think uh, 
the field she finds herself in, she should be winning pretty comfortably. A really good guide um, of what we can, because we've spoken a little bit about these short price favourites that are first up and we just don't necessarily know exactly where they're at, um, a really good guide is to watch the betting. So at the moment, Amelia's jewel is a dollar seventy-five. If we see her get smashed into a dollar fifty come race day and just before the jump, that is serious money. That is people saying, that's punters saying, she is way better than this field. She will win this race and mm-hmm. she is the real deal. If we see her sort of drift and we might see a horse like wrote to Arataki firm from eleven dollars into seven dollars or six dollars um and we see her amelia's jewel get out to two dollars two dollars fifteen that's probably a sign of the punter saying "Hmm, i'm not sure sure. i'm staying out of this one Mm -hmm. and i need to see her do it Mm -hmm. so the betting is actually a really good guide especially when horses come over um to race first up and a good example of that is giga kick because last week i've just looked at his fluctuations a dollar 75 out to a dollar 95 right it's giga kick he's obviously going to be a short price favorite but when you see a punt when you see the opinions come through from the people that are betting you can see that he wasn't gaining support he was actually drifting in the market mm-hmm. suggesting the people were backing other horses around him and that the Betting companies are wanting to attract more business by offering a better price. Yeah, right. So fluctuations especially. Well, fluctuations are interesting for me anyway um, (laughs) all the time, but especially with first-up horses, you can really get the picture and listen to the story of what's happening here if you look at the, the, the fluctuations from the opening price to the starting price. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that the like market opens not on what the public thinks, right? It's on what the the company thinks, the betting company thinks is going to happen. So when all the information, the insider information filters through or, you know, we see these big bets gone and we go, well, someone knows something that, you know, it it can really paint the picture like more clearly about what, where these horses are up to. Like I'm just looking at cast, like she opened at 13 and now she's into 11. Like Mm -hmm. that's quite a big, you know, she's tightened up from yesterday afternoon. Um, The other horse we probably should talk about, Grace, is Foxy Frieda. Mm Mm-hmm. We haven't spoken about her. What do you, she's resuming, isn't she, this Saturday? Yep, she is resuming, and she has had some pretty recent racing. Um, she's only about two and a half months between runs because she sort of went through that winter carnival up in Queensland where she was really quite impressive mm. in the Tats Tiara. She finished sixth there, but she was a long way back, and she finished off very strongly. That is the problem with Foxy Frida is that she's got plenty of ability, but she always just gets so far back in her right. races. Mm-hmm. Um, barrier four here, I think this is just probably a kickoff point for her. She'll definitely be on a Empire Rose, maybe a Matriarch 2000 right. Group 2 Mayor's Race at the end of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. They're probably two, her two goals. So she'll get back and hit the line strongly here, but she's got plenty of class. Mm. Like this is a classy Mayor's field. You'd want Amelia's Jewel to be winning this pretty dominantly to justify her being, you know, this absolute good thing almost going ahead, short price favourite in some bigger races. And if we take Amelia's Jewel out, Grace, who who's rounding out the top three or four? I really like uh, Wrote to Arataki. Me too. In this race. Yeah. Because last preparation, she was running really good races in, in group threes. Um, and she was very progressive. Like she went from a benchmark 64 to a 78. She won a benchmark 70. She won a group three, ran second in another group three. So it's a good 
place for her to be back at that group three, group two level. Um, and then she's already had one run under her belt, and that was last start two weeks ago in the Cockrum Stakes where she was massive from the rear of the field behind mm -hmm. Benedetta. Mm -hmm. But the best thing about Rota Arataki is that she puts herself on speed normally. But last time, first up, they went back to finish off strongly. But from Barry 3 now, Maxara, I think she can be right on speed. And just gives her every time a great chance. Like yeah. she's always putting herself there and therefore she's a good horse. So she's generally there in the finish. So I think that she's definitely the main danger to Amelia's Jewel. And then you've got Cass and Foxy Frieda who are pretty classy, um, but both first up, they'll be flashing and finishing off strongly, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that. Can echo your sentiments. Really excited to see Rota Arataki. Like, probably not going to take out Amelia's Jewel this week, but excited to see what she does once she comes up, you know, against a more fairer field. Yep. All eyes are going to be on Amelia's Jewel. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. No hope that we do see her go and win, like, like a really good horse because how exciting would that be yeah. to have a Perth mare come over um, and basically set the spring carnival alight. Mm -hmm. like that'd be in incredible. So mm -hmm. I hope that's what we see. Yeah. Now, since we've previewed the Maccabi and the Let's Elope, we better go through our selections for the tipping comp this week, Grace. Okay. So number seven, race seven, the Maccabi. I'm with Mr. Brightside. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I would not be surprised to see lots of people pick Alligator Blood or Princess Grace. Yeah. It's going to be really... it's going to be split? Split. Okay. Yeah. I'll report back next week. Okay. Then we have race eight, the Elope Stakes, Let's Elope, Amelia's Jewel. <laughs> see, this is the thing. Are you having um, flashbacks from last week? Yeah, I am. But she's probably the most likely winner, isn't she? She is, but this is the thing with this competition. You don't have to have the winner. You have to have consistently horses that are going to be yep. close. See, my play for this race would be wrote to Arataki each way bet. Same. No doubt. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't touch Amelia's jewel yeah. at her current price. Um, but she probably is the most likely winner. Mm. So I'll go with Amelia's jewel. <laughs> okay. I'll go for Rota Arataki, okay. just for just for a bit of difference. Yep. And then we move on to race nine, the Bobby Lewis quality. Mm -hmm. Another good race. Who are you with? Oh, Benedetta, who we just spoke about before. Yep. Who are you with in this one? Who are you with in this one? Oh, I am going to go with number four, It's Our Time. Okay. Yep. Straight track specialist. Yep. Yep. And I like him because he's had a couple of runs already. I think that's it. I'm going with the fitness edge. Yep. And, yeah, I'm excited to see how he goes. I'm going with a really strange one here. Okay. And this might backfire, but I'm sticking with it. Number six, Charter House. Ooh, okay. I've only seen him twice in Australia. He's an import for Kiramara and David Eustace. Mm -hmm. He's had two relatively recent runs back in June and July. Um, over 1,400 metres and 1,600 metres, both of which he actually, if you go back and watch those replays, he begins well out of the barriers, but he'd drawn wide, barrier 12 and 13. So the jockeys sort of brought him right back in big fields. So he ended up at the rear of the field on both occasions and stormed home. My thought process with this horse, it's $18, is that there's going to be really good speed in this race. It's 1,200 metre Bobby uh -huh. Lewis. Uh -huh. Down the straight, you've got uh, Zatori, who likes to be on speed. Snapper goes one speed, and that's fast, as does number 10, Najim Suhail. So I reckon there's going to be plenty of tempo on here. It's going to suit a horse that can sort of sit off them and 
be really strong late at the end of a fast run 1200, so like a 1400 meter horse. I feel like he fits the bill, and I think it's aggressive placement from the team to suggest that this horse has got plenty of ability, mm -hmm. and that they're throwing him in here obviously as a first up run to go to something else, but I would not be surprised to see him right there in the finish. Ooh. So, yeah, real strange one from me. Yeah, um, very interesting. Charterhouse, and my bet is Charterhouse each way, no doubt, but I'm going to go with him for the tipping cop. Ooh. Okay, and then our last race, which is the Australian Childhood Foundation Plate, 1700 metres, race 10. Mm -hmm. Who are you liking in this one, Grace? I think it is a three-horse race. Uh-huh. Um, the horses, well, basically as the market's got it, uh, Carini, who is another import, um, who was very, very good at his first Australian start last start, where he flashed home in very slick late sectionals. Uh, a lot of the times imported stayers and just stayers in general sprint well fresh. Like you'll see them flashing home. You'll go, whoa, that's amazing. And then at their second start, they're a little bit more flat, a little bit more dour. They mm -hmm. don't show that same acceleration. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Carini do that, but he's still probably good enough to win. He gets in with 53 kilos. He's right down on the minimum. Great placement of that horse in this race. Devoted, she won last start. She's going really well. And Macram. Mm. So they're the three horses I'm with, but in terms of the tipping competition, I'm going to go with Macram. Are you? Yeah. Okay. You're, putting, you're picking some like. Big prices for the tipping comp. So he's $15 at the moment. Yeah. Okay. He's going well. And um, I think that the wide draw is not a bad thing for him. He likes to be to the outside of horses. And I think he'll be finishing off very strongly. Rightio. You're definitely adding some colour. I'm being very boring. I'm going to go with number 16, Karini. So yep. he's second price favourite. We've got Devoted as $3.20 favourite. Um, again, like that the, he has the fitness edge. Um that he has the fitness with uh, a run under his belt a mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago now. Um, and just echoing all your your sentiments before, like I just think it's he can win this race. He can definitely win this race. And if Karini does win this race, um, they'll probably be plotting a path to try and get his rating up to get into a race like the Caulfield Cup, Right, I would think. Yeah. Um, so this is just his second up run and then he'd go to a stakes race and then try and get into the Caulfield Cup. It's actually a great placement from the Danny O'Brien. Yeah, the team. weight has really sold me as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he, he could have gone into the naturalism next Saturday, which is where we're going to see lots of Caulfield Cup contenders go, but he's decided to just keep keep the bar low enough for him to get in with a lightweight, winning, because mm -hmm. you need a win to get your rating points up. Mm -hmm. That's the game when you're trying to get into Caulfield and Melbourne Cups is to get enough points to get into the race, but the bare minimum so you don't have to carry too much weight. Yeah. Well, be interesting to see if you can do it. And we are very interested to read everyone's selections mm -hmm. uh, come Saturday and Sunday in the wash-up. Uh, so for those who are not members yet but would like to play in our tipping comp, it is so much fun. Uh, the girls are getting around it in the social club group yep. uh, talking about, you know, I got this many points, like who who got better than me and it's it's really cool to see everyone get excited about it so if you want to join in you just have to sign up to our members group $15 a month you can find a link in the show notes you get a heap of extra stuff too on top Definitely. of that but yep. I think the tipping comps like a real a really fun thing to do as a uh, part of the members group 
And if you aren't up for signing up to members, there's still plenty of ways you can support the podcast by following us wherever you listen, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That would be awesome. I love reading the reviews. And also on socials, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I have started a TikTok, Grace. I don't know love if you're TikTok. aware of that. <laughs> yeah, avid TikTok user. <laughs> so we are on there too we're just like in the baby phases of that one so there's like about five posts or something but i'm getting there um i'm right i'm learning the ropes it's a real gen z one. Oh, i just don't get it no it's really hard i'm feeling really old and obsolete but i'm giving it a crack i mean like even reels on instagram i know that's like what is that what is the difference i <laughs> Anyway, you can find us on any of those platforms. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's all we've got time for this week. Grace, where are we headed to next week? So next Saturday is Caulfield, and it is Group 1 Underwood Stakes Day. So we get to see probably a lot of the horses that went around in the fan last Saturday, now out to 1,800 metres of the Underwood Stakes, and maybe some others coming down from Sydney. Um, so that's going to be the Group 1 there but we've also got the naturalism stakes which i just mentioned caulfield cup win and you're in so like a oh, golden, golden ticket entry into the caulfield cup and we've also got the caulfield guineas prelude which is for the three-year-olds and the jim Maloney stakes 1400 meters for the fillies so yeah plenty of like those qualifying races again and then the group one feature is the underwood stakes very exciting well good luck everyone in the tipping comp this week and we will be catching you next week